Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. said, I know we say God, that worshiping isn't emotional, but when God touches you, you're on your face, you know. When God starts moving your life, you can't contain yourself. It's just, we don't go off of emotion, but the moment that God moves in our lives, there's a reaction. I know we spoke about that last week, you know, like the potential energy, kinetic energy, but words can't describe what God goes on inside your heart when he touches you. I don't know why I'm crying right now. It's just God. God is definitely, definitely moving through so many people in this church. And I want to thank God. I just, I just want to glorify him because he's faithful. You know, he's faithful. Um, last week... Today's a big day for me, and this is not why I'm emotional at all, actually. Uh, today's a big day because my, my daughter's birthday and all that stuff. Praise God. I, but that's not even it. That's not it at all, man. It's God broke me over here. And praise God for, I wanted to feel that for so long. You know, I'm not a faker. I, I never cry, especially in worship. Like, it's not normal. But God, when he, he really touches your heart, you can't, there's nothing you can do. He's that powerful. He, he's so powerful that he speaks a word and light comes out. He's so powerful that, that he can just touch you and your hip will come out of place. That's all he does. There's, we have no hope outside of him. The reason we have no hope outside of him is because we can't contain him. And we also have no hope outside of him because there is nothing else but him. Uh, last week, we spoke about being stretched for worship. And <clears throat> I think it was a bit, I don't know, it was a lot going on in that, in that word. But I think in this word, you guys, are, we're going to see that word come alive. Because it was a hard word to hear when we were talking about stretched for worship. Because it talked about repentance. It spoke about brokenness. You know, it spoke about us coming to a place where we abandon ourselves and we offer ourselves on the altar as a living sacrifice before God. And then we also said that that sacrifice that we offer, it's, it means nothing if, if it's not what because he, he's given us something. Amen? Um, he's not interested in what we have to offer. We said that we declare, we give God worth in our lives, when we can actually, when we, when we declare worth in God, in our lives, then we can worship God. And, and the reason that that whole message was, was created was to show you that the only way we can worship God, the only way we can glorify God is by, uh, by giving ourselves completely to him. This, uh, this message uh, is going to be going into worship. And 
I totally I know I was there, and I know we were there. Um, and so it's going to be a lot simpler, and I know you guys are going to receive this, man. Um, there were certain things that, I, that when I read in the Word um, as I was preparing this that I thought were very important that God is asking of us as we're coming into worship. And uh, one of those, one of those uh, verses was in Psalms 29.2. He can put it up there. I'm not going to even turn to it. Um, I think sometimes when I, I give you guys a million verses, it just kind of defeats the purpose of just focusing on the message. And it's up there. They can put it up. Psalms 22, it says, Given to the Lord the glory due to his name. Oh, I'm sorry. As I do this, you know, I'm going to encourage you guys to write notes. Because um, you're going to want to come back to this. There are verses for this. And, um, and I think when you go back, there, you'll probably even get more than what I'm giving you. It says, given to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Um, when we worship God in holiness, we worship God for who he is. Because you know, we, we, we try to break down the word holy and, you know, we got into, but it's very, actually very simple. Holy is being set apart. And we know that God, that's what he is. He is holy. So one of the things that God really is asking of us as we come into this worship is that we can worship him for who he is, not for anything else. We don't worship God because of what he gives us. We don't worship God because we're having a bad day. Or we're having a good day. We worship God because he is holy. And, and that's just one thing that really caught my eye. And, and when it talks about the beauty of holiness, it kind of goes into th- this whole idea of worshiping him for what he is, uh, uh, of a bride. You know, many of us, you know, we got married and, and we, or we go to the weddings and we see the bride come out. And that's like the big moment, you know, when we see that bride come out. And it's beautiful, right? She's just like an array of beauty, just the epitome of consecration and holiness, uh, and being set apart, and, and everybody's just, all eyes are on her, and she's coming out, and I just think about the preparation of a bride, you know, what goes through her mind, I'm not even, we're the bride of Christ, you know, we prepare ourselves for God when we come to him, we come to, to the Lord, and what, how, how have we prepared, man, I can promise you, 99% of the time, wives aren't just walking out to the front and, and not really preparing themselves. Who here is, a, who here is like, uh, like obsessive compulsive about preparation? Anybody? Like you're preparing yourself. Before, before I came here last night, my wife was, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just got to go over some things. I feel like maybe there's something I left out or maybe there's something I didn't. She goes, if you, if you don't have the word by now, I feel, as, you know, I feel bad for you. I'm like, no, I have the word. I have the word, but I, I just, every chance I get, I'm just trying to get close to him because I want to know if there's something else he wants to say. So anyways, I don't want to be long-winded. I just want to say that he, we have to come to the Lord and worship God for who he is, and that's simple. You know, um, it's something glorious. It's something wonderful. And the beauty of holiness, you know, the beauty of us coming out is what God sees. Um, as a bride, when she comes out, he finds that adornment, you know, in us. Wow. What we, what we fill ourselves with, what, what he sees on us. You know, there's such a spiritual realm that we can't see, of course, with our own eyes. 
But we're adorned. Everybody here is adorned with something, you know, in their lives. And we come to the Lord and we're going to worship him. And I wonder how he sees us. And I wonder how we see ourselves. You know, do we think we've been adorned enough? Have we prepared ourselves enough to come into this worship? Just a thought. Um, and then the other one is uh, in John 4.23. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So not only does he want us to be kind of that preparated, that preparation, that bride that comes in beauty, adorned, but he also wants to worship him in spirit and truth. So really quickly, this is just some thoughts that I want to bring forth before we, we really start getting into this, okay? And be, uh, in spirit, of course, it's very simple. It's the spirit of God, okay? When we come to the Lord and we come in the spirit of Christ, that means that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. You know, there might be some people here that have been Christians all their life. They, they, they live and the Spirit lives inside of them. But then again, there may be some, somebody here. And if you're here for the first time or if you don't know God that well or you don't know him, first, first of all, welcome to new life. And secondly, um, he's calling you into communion with him because he wants to put something inside of you. He wants to fill you with something, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when we have that spirit in us, then we are, we are legally <laughs> allowed to worship him. We can really come to God and we are allowed to come to him. We, we have no uh, legal authority to come God, to God however we want. You know, um, how is that idea? You know, sometimes kids, I was talking to somebody in high school or just sometimes us, we think we are... Um, uh, we think we deserve things. But God is, God is holy and separated. So when we come to him in, in spirit, under the Holy Spirit, then we actually are allowed to come into worship with God and communion. And the other thing is in, uh, in truth. So how do we worship God? We worship God in truth. So what does that really mean? Just really quickly. It's, again, it's simple. Worshiping God in truth means that we worship in line with the word of God. Okay, we don't, we don't create our own worship. I mean, as far as making things up, we don't, just, we don't just come here and wing it. Amen? We don't just come here and say, well, what else? Today we'll just uh, act like, uh, I don't know, like crazy people. God actually established worship. Okay? And we, we might seem like crazy people when we're jumping and dancing and praise God for that. But um, that's, we don't just wing it here. We come to him in the truth of the word of God. That means if somebody's standing up here, me or Regal, whoever, any of you, and we share a word, we're sharing that in the truth of the word. When we're worshiping and we're singing songs, and we do that under the authority of the truth of the word of God. And, and in Hebrews 11, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if, if we don't, first of all, we don't know God, we can't please him. Um, but we have, to, we have to have that faith inside of us. Um, so so those are, that's just a couple of um, ideas that I wanted to bring to you before we get into this word. I guess, it's, I guess you can say that was the intro. Amen? Are you ready? Now you're ready for the word? All right, cool. Uh, all right, so there's two questions I wanted to bring up. Now we have an idea of what God really wants from us. Two questions that I wanted us to answer in this, uh, in this last part. 
And it was, um, what has God given us? Write that down if you have a pen or paper or a tablet. Oh, by the way, look. Ah, I'm using this more than I'm using this. I mean, just because it's easier. I think I stumble when, when do you guys like it when I'm like, oh, let me see, hold on. <laughs> no, I'm using the tablet for verses more often. I'll still use this right now. That's why I brought it up here. But anyways, what has God given us? That's the first uh, question. And the second one is, how can we use what he's given us for his glory? Okay, so um, I felt that when, when we're ready to answer these two questions, we're ready to get into worship. Amen? Um, and so I want to get into this right now. Um, so what has he given us to use for his glory? It's the question we have. That was the first question. So when we go to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, um, as I was prayer in prayer and just seeking God, I felt that this is something huge. We speak about it a lot. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And he's given us, when we've entered into an, a life with Jesus, he gives us this, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want to I point this out. Maybe it's not a big deal. It was to me. It says the fruit, fruit. It's plural, but it's a singular. It doesn't have S in the end. Sometimes we say fruits of the Spirit. The reason that stood out to me is because I think maybe when we say fruits of the Spirit with an S, I think sometimes we think that he gives us these gifts, uh, these fruits, these ways that we can be, okay, these, and, and we can, we have access to some of them, right, where we have, uh, we can live in love, right, it says the fruits of the spirit are love, peace, let's take you there, that I do want to read, um, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, I, give me a moment, uh, let me get there, Galatians 5, 23 to 23. I know you see it up there already. I'm the, low, I'm the slow one. Uh, it says, but the fruit, of the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's a lot, right? Gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and it gives you a list of things. These are great things to have, and some of these are very, very difficult to do sometimes. It's like to live in those things, it's so hard sometimes for us, for me, to be always loving or to be always long-suffering, you know, being able to go through something difficult and still maintain a smile. But, I mean, sometimes I don't think it's, it's that, uh, we don't have to act it, you know what I'm saying? It, just, it comes out of us. We have access to it. Um, you know, the world may portray some of these qualities, but I think God has given us the grace to live in them. I think that he give us, gives us the fruit to be in the spirit of God, and that's what we can use for his glory, those fruit, that fruit. And, and I think we can actually abide in that fruit. Amen? Like, we don't have to just access some of it and then, and then kind of not be able to, to have peace sometimes. I think we have the ability to get to a place in our walk that we can live in that fruit, amen, and that we can give that fruit. So he's given us the fruit in the spirit, all these great things. And this is not something we 
all of a sudden, it's not like t- tomorrow I'm going to have no problems and no worries. It's not like that. We still, we'll still worry. There will be anxieties. But when we are able to come to God with the grace he's given us, then we can actually go back and say, wait, God has given me the grace through this with the fruit of the Spirit, which is grace, long-suffering, peace, love, all these things. We have access, and we can live inside of them. We can move in them. Amen? And when we, when we start living this, we, we're learning. God is teaching me every day. And as he's teaching me, I, I keep finding something else in me. I'm like, oh, God, something else. Every day. I mean, it's a constant uh, refreshing. Uh, and it's not a burden, though. I mean, when, when we're coming to the Lord, we do find things in our lives that we have to change. But we're not burdened by what he's telling us. It's almost as if as I draw near to God and I use this fruit, he's given me this this grace, this ability to be like, man, praise God. I have a different way of thinking about it. You know, I'm not burdened by trying to be good because I'm not, I'm not trying to use my work for it. No, I'm not trying to do it. It's something that, I, that happens as we worship. And what is that? That is our time with God. You'll find, and I want to say something, I've been connected with men, uh, quite a few men for these last couple weeks and no matter where their walk has been in the Lord, I have found one common denominator. When they've been connected with God, I know they have, and they have a heart willing just to know more of God, they've touched my heart. You know, when I've spoken to them, it could be somebody that just came to the Lord or is going through the hardest time. I might know more about the, way more about the Bible than that person knows, but it doesn't matter. Because of their proximity, their, their nearness to God, when they speak to me, even in their pain, it touches me. And that's the experience I've had this week and, and for, for some time now. It's been something amazing. And, and, it, and what is it? It's because God gave them a fruit and they actually used it without even knowing sometimes. God gave them something that they actually took on. They said, wow, I can do this. They believed it and they moved in it. And the, mom- the moment they did that, whether they knew it or not, they touched my life. And that's, that's, I guess maybe that's some of the reasons why I'm getting so emotional. Because I'm seeing God move in particular people's lives and it moves, it just breaks me down. It makes me want to love him more. It makes me want to give him more. Amen? So, <laughs> I find it delicious. <laughs> I wrote this down. <laughs> it's delicious, man. Uh, strawberries and chocolate? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> you guys are going to be like, let me get out of here, Tito. Stop talking to me about this. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, so we do have the ability to maintain these and to function in these gifts. Okay, so we answered that. So what has he given us, everybody? The fruit. Fruit. And to live through grace in that fruit. We can actually maintain that. Okay, it's something we produce. And when we produce it, it's because we're connecting with God. It's funny, you know, this just came to my mind. I told Rigo the other day, I was like, you know, man, Rigo, it's amazing because when I speak to somebody and, and they're connected like that, like I just told you, it's, it's like that's just hitting me. It, my time with God, like reading 
and praying is amazing. And God really enlightens me and praise God. But the moment, like I said, I, I hook up with somebody, everything that I did where I was praying and reading, it just, it's multiplied. It's like if he took like this little ball of energy and like, let's say the beginning of the world and he just, the big bang, all of a sudden there's millions of stars. And so I have all these things that I've done, all this stuff that I've connected with God and all of a sudden he explodes when I connect with somebody and he enlightens me beyond what I even thought I can be enlightened. That is the power. And I think that is where God wants us to go. It's not read your Bible and pray. Amen. Do that. That is absolutely right. But it's, but it's also connect. And the moment we connect, we take ourselves to a realm that we've never been. I am experiencing that firsthand right now. And this is why this right here is so beautiful right here. This is family, man. This is family. Amen? Okay, so I want, I want to talk to you today about some experiences that I have had, and I want to bring it, this to life, because it was brought to life through, through my experiences, which is what I'm going to tell you. So he's given us uh, the fruit. So how do we use this fruit? So that, this is the question. How do we use the fruit he's given us for his glory? We know he's given us love, all these things, but what does it mean? Can you give me a picture of it? I'm going to give you that right now. The fruit that he's given us, we always talk about this, but this is a never-ending discussion and a never-ending topic because it's so powerful, because it points to one person, and that's why it's so powerful. It's, uh, okay, you know last time I, not last time I preached, but the time before that, you're going to enjoy this probably uh, at my expense. My neighbor, anybody remember my neighbor? My fellow neighbor? Well, I'm going to give you a continuation. It's turned into like a TV series now. <laughs> it's crazy. It's better than uh, with Breaking Bad. It's better than Breaking Bad. We'll take that thing out. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so my experience with my neighbor. Ah, wow. So I lost it, guys. I lost it. One day I lost it, man. And I think that was one of the first times that God was like, dude, I got so much to do inside of you. I got so much work to do in you. Um, so here we go. Here we go. He's out there, uh, doing, they're always doing their garden. And you know, the, the, the story was for those of you who weren't here, he, he basically doesn't want me to put a fence up on my property. Um, because there's an easement and I'm not going to go into that, but basically, yes, it, I have to fight kind of for this fence to get it. And he's not allowing me to do it because he's complaining so much with the city. So <laughs> Anyways, he starts going over my property and into the back of his, of course, because that's what he wants to do. And I see this from, I'm inside my house. This is during summer, just two months, two months ago, I would say, or more, maybe a little more. I see him outside my, in my house, and I'm seeing him in the window, and I'm like, what is he doing, man? What's that guy doing? <laughs> and so he's, he's going over my property. I'm like, oh, bro, I'm going to get this guy. I go out there, and I'm pissed. I'm just, and I'm like, and then his wife, too, both of them. They're cutting things, but they're all over my property. I wouldn't mind, but it's because of the situation. So I went out there and I said, it's, excuse me, can you guys please stay in your property? Like I was trying to be nice. And then and I told the wife that because he, he was over there and I said, please, guys, can you just stay in your property, man? And um, she, was, she was like, ah, she didn't even talk to me. So I went inside. And then when I go inside, I see him come around the corner with his lawnmower over my property, bro, like that, 
I'm like, oh, bro, that's it. I lost it, dude. I went out there, what's up? What's up? Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not, this guy's in his 60s. Is he's in his 60s. I told you to get on my property, bro. Well, let's do it. Like, I, I got really bad. And he came at me. I got really bad, man. This is, and I know it's funny, but I feel, I'll tell you this. I say, but I do feel ashamed. I do feel ashamed about it. Because I totally lost it. I lost it on a mid-65, 60, almost 70-year-old man. <laughs> and, and he looked, hey, but check this out. This is just crazy. He looks at me, and, just, and he looked like he was going to hit me. I got, I got in his face like that. He was like that. And then he looks at me like he's going to hit me, and his wife's like, stop. It became a big commotion. I was screaming, and my neighbor comes out. My front neighbor comes over what are you doing, Tito? What are you doing, bro? I'm like, these people think they could do whatever they want. They don't, they have no consideration for anything. They don't care about my family. And of course, you know, I take it personal. They don't, they, they don't care about my family. And on top of that, they think they can just go over and do whatever they feel. That really pissed me off. So he, it's funny. God will use people that don't even know God to speak to you. He goes, you have to be a better person than that, man. Oh, my. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Dude, he sunk me right there, man. And I had to, dude, I swallowed my pride in front of him. I said, and I told him, Jack, you're right, man. I messed up. And I went in, I swear to you, I went inside and I got on my knees. I started praying. I said, God, I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. What was I doing? I, I, I felt I had the right to do it, right? But did I need to go there? Where was Christ? Like, what was I portraying? And you know what went through my mind? Or maybe God gave me this. He told me, dude, how about if he... How about if he comes to the Lord one day? How about if he was to accept the Lord one day? And you're, you're apparently Christian because last time you told him that you wanted to pray for him and all this stuff. <laughs> so you're Christian and, and you're portraying this. How about if he comes to know me? What's going to happen when he gets to heaven? And I was like, wow. So you guys, you got to go out there and you got to apologize. <gasps> what? <laughs> That's what he told me. So I was like, no, heck, no, I'm not going to. I did. I went out there. Not that same day because I, I was like struggling, struggling days, days with that. And when he gave me that word, I was like, I got to pray about that. <laughs> I got to pray about that. I got to see if this is from God. Isn't that so typical of us? Right? I got to see this from God. Praying about it. Okay, God, is this you speaking? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Why? Because the moment that, God, that we know, man, when God speaks to us, we are torn up inside because we know he asks us to do the hardest things. We are torn. So, so I go over there and I ask him to forgive me. I really, I went over there. I'm sorry for what I did. I thought it was done and over with, right? So days go by, maybe one or two weeks go by and God says, I'm not done with you, man. You think that it was okay for you just to say sorry? It's like, dude, I, I said it's hard. I did the right thing. You know, I humbled myself. No, you didn't. So he asked me to go over there and ask them if I can help them with anything. This is God. I know it's God because I would never do that. <laughs> it's, so I, I went, I struggled with it again. I'm like, no. At that moment, I was really fighting with God. I was like, no. 
that's it's just not right. And I did. I ended up going over there because I said, this is you. So I went over there, and I, I was so anxious that I'm looking through the window. It's like, if they're coming out, to go out there and tell them already. I just wanted to get it out of the way. So I, they finally go out there, and I said, you know, <laughs> they're working outside again. And she's kind of far away over there, and then he's over there. So I'm like, hey, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I want to let you know that, that I want to help you guys. If there's anything I could do for you right now, please just let me know. I want to be there for you. And she goes, what? Bro. And I had to shout it even louder. Like, everybody had to hear me. So I was like, I just want to let you know that I'm sorry and I really want to help you. Um, and then as, he, as I'm doing that, he's coming around the corner. He thinks I'm screaming at her. <laughs> but uh, the, but I, I, I let him know, no, I just want to let you know, you know, I want to help you. So I said, they go, no, no, thank you very much. We're fine. I said, okay. And I said, but... If you do, please, another time. And I, and I know I had to add that in because I didn't want it just to be, oh, I'll help you today, but not tomorrow. So, so whenever you need. And, and God was speaking to me right there. And this is where he came to me, you know, very simple, right? Matthew 544, love your enemies. You can go there. Love your enemies, you know. And that word love is very serious. It's very powerful because when we talk about love, we don't talk just about an emotion, we never talk about an emotion when we talk about love. Yeah, there's an emotion that's included in love, but that's not what love really is just about. Love is the hardest thing, is serving. Love is to serve. And in that verse, Matthew 44, it doesn't just say serve like I was asking him, but it also took me a little further even, and it said treat them affectionately. You say, listen, I'll help you, bro, all right? Whatever. I'll just help you. <laughs> you want me to help you out? Okay. Fine. <laughs> no. Listen, I, I really want to help you guys. Like, do you mean that? There's a transformation there that happens. We're not just talking about loving because you have to say something because you are pushed to love. We're not pushed to love. We're driven. Guys, come on. Write that down. Wow. I don't have that in my notes. We're driven to love. We're driven to serve. We're driven to give affection where there is no affection that is deserved. That's where God is driving us. What is that? What are we talking about? Come on, I want to hear you guys say it. What are we talking about right now? It starts with a W. Worship. We're talking about worship. We're not just talking about worship. Last week we talked about going, being prepared for worship. We're actually in worship right now. This is what it is. Galatians 5, 14 through 15. Again, I'm just going to read it. It says, love your neighbor. Again, it says, love your neighbor. So before, it says, love your enemy. And I'm going to talk about that real quick. But it says, love your neighbor. Um, and it goes on to say in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, check this. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. Dude, I was being consumed before I stopped and I came to the Lord and I said, God, what are you trying to say? I was, uh, I was, I was consumed by my anger. I was consumed by my situation. But the moment I stopped and I listened to God, he brought the complete opposite. He brought restoration. He brought an opportunity for that person to know the Lord. 
And that's a greater purpose. That's the greater calling that we have here. It's to know God and to portray and give another person that lives in anger, he, he's probably still bitter. Okay, this, he probably lives in bitterness. And I'm so involved in myself that instead of thinking about him, I'm thinking about how I'm bitter. But God says, get out of your bitterness because I gave you the grace by the fruit that I gave you to live in my spirit. And when you do that, that is going to touch him. You guys got that? So, so it says love your neighbor. Now, this is something else. We talk about people being our enemies. I think this is like, that was like the only enemy I've had in my life. But I realized, and I got this through a brother in here. I'm not going to take the credit. He opened my eyes, and it's funny because I was thinking about this whole enemy thing. And he opened my eyes, and he says, sometimes we're our worst enemy. That is absolutely true. We are our worst enemy. We're worse than the enemy that we have. We're worse. So then I was thinking, bro, how do I tie this into the message? Okay, I understand that we have to, we have to love our enemies, right? So we serve them, we do good to them, right? But if we're our worst enemy, how do we do that? How are we going to love the bad that's in us, right? I mean, doesn't that mean that if we love the wrong that's in us, we're kind of encouraging the wrong? It blew, I was like, I can't get this. I couldn't wrap my, my head around that idea. So I was like, what are, you, what are you trying to say, God? Love your enemy. If I'm the enemy, then how do I love what's bad inside of me? Oh, listen up. I'm going to go here. Romans 12. Romans 12. I'm not going to give you the verse because always, it always pops up before me. Don't, don't do it yet. <laughs> Romans 12. Uh, 12. Okay, now I'm going to give you the verse. No, not yet. Romans 12, 20. Go ahead. It says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Man, God opened my eyes up here. Because I was like, I feed him drink. Huh? And he said, man, you are your worst enemy. Absolutely. Because you, you keep yourself sometimes from getting into my presence, from moving in the spirit. But the moment that you feed on the word of God, the moment that you open this Bible up and you start getting into his word, things change. The moment you start drinking, what is this drinking? Well, I'm not going to take you to verses, but there were instances in the Bible where Jesus said, if you drink from me, right, I will give you, I'll spring forth rivers of living water. Well, there was a, there was a, there was a, um, a connection when he was talking about that, not just about him, but also about the spirit of God, how the spirit moves in us. And what, what happens, I think this is very simple, is when, when we have to face ourselves and our hardest situations about us, the only way we can combat that is through the word and on our knees. That's it. When we can come to the Lord and seek him in truth, in the word of God, stop using your ideas, seek God. And you know what? Seek a brother or sister out that can be there for you because our pride gets in the way many times. And when we allow the spirit to start moving in our lives and we can walk in that obedience, so God speaks to us. And we don't just say, no, I don't, that's not from God. Uh, and we pick and choose, right? That's from God. And that's not from God. 
as we learn to live in the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to identify when God is speaking to us. I'm not telling you guys that you know how to do this right away. As you come to the Lord, you are going to learn and grow into that relationship with God so that you can identify when he's trying to talk to you. Amen? And it's okay. Listen, we, we don't have to have it all, you know, collect, collected right now. We don't have to have it understood right now. We are understanding. That is the idea of being perfected. We're being perfected in the Lord. I'm as bad as you guys. How many, I'm sure more than half of you haven't, been, haven't blown up on somebody the way I have. Some of you haven't almost fought a 70-year-old man. That, that's me. That's, that's my low. You know? But we all have our lows. We all have our things that, that get in the way of what God wants to do. But when we stop and we listen, then we can see what he wants. Amen? Um, it doesn't stop here. And I'm going to, I don't want to go to, to I don't want to, be here forever, but I think it's important that I share this with you. Sometimes we see what God is doing and we think, oh, wow, look what God did, right? I guess this was the reason God did that. And then God is so huge and beyond our comprehension that he says, oh, actually, there's more. So I have this thing that just, just happened, and on Fridays, I go get pizza. Some people know that I am a pizza freak on Friday. So I go to this restaurant, and I've established this relationship with the, because I'm there every weekend, I established this relationship with the pizza owner. Uh, well, the, it's an Italian restaurant, not just pizza. It's, it's a great Italian restaurant. And I've established this relationship with him because he was actually one of the people, believe it or not, that it was encouraging to me after Alicia was born, and I was kind of struggling just as a man, you know, as a father. He, he poured into me, whether he believed it or uh, he knew it or not, and I told him. Anyways... So we're just talking, and, and I start sharing this whole experience, right, about my neighbor. And I said to him, you know, uh, I think God did this for a reason, and I think it's because he wanted to show us that the same love that we give others in sacrifice and in, and in serving, whether they deserve it or not, is the same love that Jesus gave us whether we deserved it or not. Wow. And he was like, he was really touched by this. He goes, you know, you're a better man than I am. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, and, I, and I pointed to God at that moment. I said, dude, it's just Jesus. It's just God. I don't have the power to do this. And I said to him, the only, if you find any good in me, it's only because God did this in my life. And you know what he did? I have the text still. Amen. He was texting me back saying, man, you really touched me with what you said. Wow, it's amazing how God moves further and beyond what we expect when we just walk in obedience. That's how powerful God is. So I wanted to give you two uh, different views of love in this, in how God moves in our lives. And this is going to touch a lot of you. Um, and I only want to say this for his glory. Um, so he moves in our lives to other people, but what, you know, sometimes the hardest part is when we're in our houses with our wives, with our spouses, and that's where the real work begins in our houses. So God was, uh, God, you know, had been dealing with me and my wife, you know, 
um, in our relationship. We weren't, you know, don't want to give you the bad idea. We were never in a bad place in our, in our relationship. But just like all your relationships, just like all our relationships when we're married, we get worn out, man. Come on. We get tired. We think of other things. We spend time doing other things. We don't pour out into that relationship like we should. Amen? Come on. I know I can get some amens here. It's hard. I know. So God was breaking me down there. And I, I one Wednesday, I think it was, I was anxious because God spoke to me. You have to do this. And I'm telling you, after this happened, there was such a beautiful restoration of the spirit of God in between us and through us. I proposed to my wife like a couple weeks ago. I proposed to her. Um, actually, I went out and I brought four dozen roses. And I've never bought that many roses. <laughs> um, and I knew that that's what God needed for me to do. And, he, you know, the, even the little simple things, sometimes that's hard to, I don't know, I felt like, oh, gosh, this is kind of, it's weird, right? She's my wife. I love her. I know I love her. But, you know, these things that you do, it, it looks kind of weird, like you're stepping out and you do something weird. You know, I, I, I don't like sometimes to, to, to do things that is like, I don't know, for some reason I felt weird, but I know that God was going to move in my life, and maybe it was all me. And I proposed to her, and, and, I, and I asked her to marry me again, and, um, and I wanted her, I know God was telling me, you need to show her that you're as committed to this relationship and to your love towards her and to, and to providing for her and to sh showing her that you want her to feel secure as you were when you guys first married. And I did it, and when we can walk in those instances of love, God transforms things. It, things don't stay the same. He brings revival in our lives, in our personal lives, in our spiritual lives. He brings restoration to relationships. Things happen that you, you just don't see happen if we're trying to do things on our own without the Lord. So it was worth it. It's worth it. It's always worth obeying God. And listen to that word. It's worth obeying God. Why? Worth. Because when we have worth, when we find worth in obeying God, we worship him. It is worth. He is worth it. We worship him because he is worth it. Romans 12.1. I don't really want to take you there. I just want to say that in that verse it says that we do this because it's just something that's our, it says there, our reasonable service. Hmm. So I, I looked into that really quickly, our reasonable service. So when we do these things and we're walking in the spirit and, and we're just serving the Lord and we're dying to ourselves, right? We're sacrificing ourselves in worship. And when we do this, it, in the Bible it says this, guys, this is your reasonable service to me. I'm not asking a lot of you. I'm not asking very much of you. Because in the Bible it says, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. What does that mean? It's logical. It's logical to this world even. If you come to the Lord, you live as a man or woman of God. It's logical. If you come to the Lord, then you want to worship God. You want to give worth to God. And then the word service actually means worship. So it's your reasonable worship. Service, 
is worship. That, and it's divine worship. It's the concept of giving. Again, we go back to giving. We, we've been sharing this over and over and over in this place. Giving, serving, worship. It says it there. If you say you know God, then you worship him, you serve. That's how we know we know God. It's not something that's burdensome to us. It's not something that, oh, I got to go to church this Wednesday. Oh, I got to church. Man, God is saying, wow, if that's the way you feel about it, then you just really have to get a revelation of what worship really is. You know, it's not something you're, you're dragged to do. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Uh, the last point, the last area I want to touch upon before I close, and don't come up, the worship team, don't come up here because this is going to take a moment. But I talked about how God moves in our lives through love and worshiping him through love. Now I want to talk to you guys about how God moves in the body. I know even these things could be applied to the body, but how God moves within our body. Acts 2, 1. I don't need you to go there. It'll be pulled up here. That's fine. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is when the spirit fell. The first time that spirit of God came because he said he was going to bring a helper. And so the spirit comes. And it says, before the spirit of God fell upon the people, it says that they were with the same mind. That's what with one accord. Listen to this. With one accord means that you are in the same mind and in the same spirit. You are under the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, okay? And you have the same mind. What does that mean? When we come together, some people are not thinking about, you know, what they, they left their churraco out before they go home because they had to cook it for, the, you know, on the barbecue. They're not thinking about, oh, my God, I'm not going to have my finances ready. So I'm struggling with this. That's not where their mind is. Their mind was fully and completely, all of them at the same time, connected to God. It says they were with one mind, the same mind and the same spirit. And then what happens at that moment? The spirit of God begins to manifest through them. It pours out through all the people. And in Acts 2, 4, 36, uh, sorry, Acts 2, uh, that, I will go there. I'm going to give me a second so I can turn my pages. Oh, sorry. Here. Acts 2. Good. Okay, 46. You can go. 46. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Listen to that, guys. In the temple. We are the temple, but this is a temple too, right? This is a place where we come to worship. The Spirit of God lives in us, but we come together, amen? That is the Spirit of God right there, where we want to come together as a body because we feed off of each other. So anyways, so continuing daily with one accord, again, listen to that, in one accord, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That word simplicity, when, I, when you read it in the King James Version, actually means singleness. 
simplicity. So it, it's a big deal because sometimes we think, oh, they were just simple. They were, they were sharing with each other, living a simple life. But it's not just that. It's not just living simply. It's actually a singleness that we, they had. What does that mean? They had this. It was like they were working in one. Like it was one person. That's how it was. Simplicity actually meant that they were working as if they were one person. Imagine that, how our body functions, our heart, our muscles, our everything. It just, dude, it just harmonizes when we move. The things we can accomplish with our bodies when we, you know, when we do things, when we set out to do things. And this is one body. This is the idea that Acts 2.46 was saying. These people were actually functioning as one body. That means they were listening to each other. How do you feel today? Good. How you feeling? How's everything going? Good. Hey, you know what? I want you to, I want you to, you know, uh, I don't know, man, work. Do, the way we move, everything we do, it functions perfectly. This is the idea of being in singleness. We come together and you know what? Yeah, we have our, our things, we have our situations, but amen. Today I can say, um, before we even came to worship, we were scuffling and, and thinking about what songs to give and Betsy, I don't know where she is. And I was like, man, Betsy, and we came together before we even came up to worship. And I told her, wow, the presence of God is already here, man. Because even though we were like, oh, confused, maybe we should do this. And she had ideas about the songs, and I had ideas about the songs. We came together, and we came in one mind. And I told her that when I was up here. One mind, one spirit. Amen? You guys getting that? When we function in one mind and one spirit, we may, when we don't, check this out. God gave me this, and I want to share this with you. I'll read it to you. If we're not functioning in one mind and one spirit, we may just be entertaining demons. If God is not present here, if we're just kind of going through the motions, man, I'm sure there's some demons around us because there is a spiritual realm saying, God, man, that's, a, that's funny. They're really trying to praise God, but they're just too stuck in themselves, man. And, and, and we're entertaining demons instead of worshiping God. They're just like, oh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, I wrote this. The devil's okay with me going to church as long as my focus stays on simple disagreements that just keep us from being family. It says, I, said, I wrote, the devil is okay with you coming to church as long as you don't really think about what you're singing. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. I have things going on in my head instead of thinking, man, God, I just want to glorify you right now. Amen? Check this out. The devil doesn't even mind you enjoying a good message as long as you don't do anything with it. Ah, hit me, bro. This is God hitting me. All right? So we can be here, man. But if we are not putting our minds, our hearts into what God is trying to do, man, we're just entertaining demons over here. Amen? And let me get an amen. I know this is a good message. I, I Listen, I know. Not because of me, dude, because this is all God. All right. Let's go to, I, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And I'm going to get into my, my closing. So in about two minutes, I'll ask the worship team to come up. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Let me, uh, let me do this. This is easier for me. I'm using my tablet. Amen. quick. Look at that. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 
Do we have a broken symbol around here, don't we? Sorry. This is what we look like. This doesn't make a good noise. That was Danny, by the way. This is Danny. That's his strength right there. My man is strong. It doesn't sound good. I, I, I won't have the time to, to show you it, but it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. But when you get a single a symbol that's strong, that's whole, it sounds beautiful. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove, remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. If we are not serving in love, we can be doing a million things. We can say we're good, we're great, we're great people. Amen. You probably are a good person, but you're going to be sounding like a broken symbol if you're not seeking God in, in spirit and in truth. Amen. Um, you know, something else I wanted to say is um, we come here and I know we, we, we try to really come and have a heart for worship when we come and we're praising God. And we were just talking about, you know, the symbol and, and, and sounding like a clanging symbol. This is not the NBA. You know, we, you know when they come in, you know, you guys been to the Heat games, man. You know, things are going crazy. The spirit doesn't come because of our propensity to dance. I want you to catch this. The spirit doesn't come as a result of our propensity to sing or shout, or clap hard enough. Like, like when somebody enters an arena, like the, like the heat, enter the arena. And you know what they do? They go, oh, yeah. Right? And everybody gets crazy. Oh. <laughs> we, we come and we shout and we sing and we do all these things not to draw in the presence of God. We do it because we have God in us. Amen? We shout and we sing and we dance and we get emotional, right? Not because we're trying to draw him in, but we do it because we have him inside of us. The moment you guys walk in that door, the presence of God is already here. He's in you. So when you come to worship together, let that out. Let that out. Let's worship what with God, with what he's given us. He's given us the spirit of God. That when we let that out, dude, forget the NBA. Forget the heat game. God will put you on your face. Have you ever, have you ever laid on the ground in an NBA game? And everybody's like, what the heck's wrong with this guy? Oh, I don't know, man. The heat. The heat. They're killing me. Right? I've never done, I would totally think that guy's crazy. But when you come in the presence of God and God touches you, you will be crying, snot will be coming out of your nose. And everybody will be like, oh, praise God, that man's touched, you know. You know, they won't be like, oh, gosh, there's snot coming out of your nose. No, no, the presence of God is here in such a powerful way that you are going to be broken, man. And trust me, it feels good. 
It didn't hurt me when I came up here and I cried. God had touched me in such a powerful way that I was overwhelmed by him. When we live in worship, we already have his attention. We're not trying to get his attention. We got it. Me and Jenny were working outside of the garden one day and Alicia was inside the room and she was sleeping and we were working out in the garden me and Jenny got an aunt and uh, and when we're out there we had the monitor outside because you know just in case she wakes up or something happens you want to see what's going on so so as I'm sitting there in the seat uh, I'm just resting because it's like dead heat and, um, and then I'm just sitting there and drinking water. And then I hear a little. my daughter <laughs> sorry man I myself sorry this is not a show guys I'm sorry I'm sitting it's coming out of my nose now <laughs> blowing a horn. And it sounds beautiful to me. It's a toy. It's a toy. That's all it is. It's what I gave her. and she's blowing it. You guys understand? You get it? She already had my attention. She had my attention. She already had it. I was already aware of her. And she blew the horn. It sounded beautiful. God is God wants you to blow your horn. God wants, He knows you already. He, he's aware of you. He wants you to blow your horn. He wants to delight in your horn.
as a say what I just had right there. I don't have to say it. Because this is it. God, God wants you to blow your horn, man. Guys, if you don't know God, I'm not going to take you there, but I, I do want to say this. And we're going to close with this. In Psalms 137, 1 through 6, I'm not going to, you don't even have to pull it up. Let me just tell you this. It's a psalm of a man that's standing outside he's in Babylon he's by the river of Babylon and he's looking onto Jerusalem just so you can know the king of Babylon Nebuchadnezzar overtook Jerusalem he overtook Jerusalem um, and he he, and he helped brought captive the Israelites And, and this, this gentleman, and put it for reference, read it later, you'll catch it. Psalms 137, the one through six, write it down if you have it. And he's talking about his past glories. He's reminiscing about being in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a picture of being in the presence of God, because that's where the temple was. It was in Jerusalem. And they took captive Babylon took captive Jerusalem. They, they took Israel out. And then they had to live as slaves in Babylon. That was in Psalms. It's, and so it's a story of him living by the river. And he's looking and he's saying, Oh, when I used to worship God. Oh, if I could just go back to worshiping God. If I can just be in that place again. If I can just glorify him amongst the people amongst amongst the body how we sang together how we gave him our, our our praise and worship and he's reminiscing on the past and then he starts saying that the babylonians mock him he says the babylonians tell him hey sing to your god man don't you have a god that's wonderful why don't you sing to us that song that you sang when you were worshiping god with your people sing us that song we want to hear it but they didn't want to hear it they were just mocking him they were saying man we want to hear that beautiful song that you had and all they can do is say man we don't have any song inside of us anymore they're just out there looking into Jerusalem saying man I wish I was there again I wish I was there they're they go on to say in the verse that they don't even want to pick up their instruments. They don't want to sing a song anymore. They don't, they don't care. It doesn't do anything for them if it's not that they're not in God's presence. And, and if you, I just want to tell you guys, if you find yourself outside of worship and you're looking in and you're like, man, I wish I was there. she could blow that horn that makes my father just stand up you know God sits on his throne you know God sits on his throne but when you sing he stands up he stands up 
baptized, when we come here, if you're if you're if you've never been in worship, if you don't know God, if you come here and you've been standing outside of the presence of God, and you're looking and and maybe you haven't come back to God and you're struggling with so many things that overtake you and, and make you feel anxious and just take up your time and your effort and your and your energy. Come, come back, man. Come, come back and, and blow the horn. Stop reminiscing, man. Stop reminiscing. You're here. God is here. Don't reminisce about the past anymore. Come forth. Come forth. Let's stand. I, I just want to I do. I'm going to hand this over to Rigo because I want him to, to say something. But I, God wills. Somebody wants to come up here. I don't want to hold anybody back as we worship. You just want to, you just want to get in his presence. You just want to glorify him. Amen.